0: Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about railroads versus storytelling. Right. At least that's the title we gave it when you actually look at what the subject is. We may have talked about it before, but that's okay in a different different way.
1: Right. I was mainly I'm talking about this person who on Facebook posted something about railroads and storytelling and i think there was a bunch of people go, jumping in and putting their comments and giving their opinions and i think that's that's what that's a good idea what facebook is for and hammering out your ideas and throwing out your opinions and having a good old conversation and or discussion and in this case i think it's very interesting how each person that joined the conversation had their own ideas of what a railroad was and what storytelling was and I believe the original, I know the original poster was Jeff D and he was talking about storytelling and railroads being the same thing because storytellers, if if you label the GM a storyteller, they're just telling the story. And to him, that meant a railroad, even though a lot of people for the last 20 years, I figure since the 1990s, since the storytelling system came out, a lot of people use that instead of GMing or instead of uh, other words to describe the the referee, the GM, the Dungeon Master as as anti-railroading?
0: I think that it all comes down to definitions, which it usually does in all discussions. I use the term with air quotes. Um, Storytelling can mean two different things, right? Right. There's collective storytelling where the... The GM gives you an idea and you build the story together. Right. I think what Jeff D was talking about, the storytelling aspect, is the GM has everything in his brain, how it's all going to work, right? Right. This is how the story goes. He has it set up. He's either written it down. He's, he's created all the encounters for it. And in that sense, if, if the players don't do what he wants or he believes that they should do, then that changes his story and he may or may not go with it, right?
1: That's exactly what he was saying, saying that a storyteller is a single perspective. When you tell a story, you're telling a single—the storyteller is telling their story and therefore it doesn't gel what gel with the idea of what people, when they use the storytelling or they use that term, that they're, they're meaning something different than what Jeff D. says. A storyteller is this one perspective, everybody else listening— and to him that's not what are rpgs like he, i think you kind of hit the head on the nail there when you said shared people say it's a shared storytelling experience well that does change the the meaning of the word storytelling and does change the word uh what the intent and how everything works it totally brings it out of the realm of this idea of railroads where railroads are bad which then then there's that idea there and there's that aspect that are railroads bad I'll,
0: it depends on the the game, the time constraints, and people's f- ability to have fun,
1: right? Right, I, and I think uh, there was uh, Chris Perkins who who's in charge of Wizards of the Coast. He came in defense of railroads and said, "Well, most modules are kind of railroads, well, and that's most what, most that's, adventures are railroads."
0: Well, modules, in a way, are a story on rails. Right, you have the beginning story of the story. You have so the Now
1: we have another. Of, we have another uh, turn. We got yeah.
0: You got the beginning of the story. You got the end of the story. Right, and you have plot points in in between, and however, because uh, I could consider that a railroad, but I would consider it more of a the, and a lot of GMs do this, right? You create the game. You have yeah. the the plot hook, right? Right, and then you have you create. Advent or encounters right. for along the way. And then there's the big bad guy or the end, what, what, you're, what you're supposed to accomplish. Find the person, figure out who the killer is. Try not to dive from Cthulhu or go insane. There's an ending point, right? The book must be destroyed or whatever. Right. You got to get the
1: gold. To that adventure or that, that campaign arc or whatever you want to call it.
0: And any, um, any written campaigns are going to seem like they are a railroad in a way because unless you just go unless you memorize all of the or write them all down on little pieces of little note cards okay if the players do this i'll pull out this encounter if the players do that i'll pull out more like a flow
1: chart yeah well it was funny because i'm I'm thinking back to against the giants right Mm -hmm. that was a a set of modules there were three separate modules was uh, keep, keep of the of the hill giant or something like that, and then there was a frost giant, and then there was a fire giant thing, and that was very railroady, right? You, it was basically like a a dungeon. Did you invade the keep, the keep of the hill giant, and then you go room to room, and then I forget what the whole point of it is. Mainly eliminate the big bad hill giant that's causing the hill giants to get all riled up and attack people, and they recently redid that. I think, maybe they didn't, but but I'm going to counter that or put that up against uh, the campaign Storm King's Thunder, which, like you said, it has a beginning. It has like, the hook that gets the players hooked into this whirlwind of an adventure. And then there's the end, and along the way, the players can go from one place to another trying to figure out what's going on and what the ultimate... Who's the who? What's causing all this, and what's going on? And as you adventure in this, the whole Sword Coast area, you can encounter all kinds of things. And when I ran it, like I think I've told everybody in the past on the podcast, is that when I ran it, I ran like maybe a quarter of the encounters on that whole book because it's a huge book for an adventure or a campaign, and it took about a year, year and a half to go yeah. through it, of playing every other Saturday for like. Five or six hours at a time.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's a rather long campaign, and but like I said, excuse me, my voice is a little bit messed up. But like I said, uh, I left a lot of stuff that the players didn't go through simply because they didn't go into that town, they didn't go into that direction, and stuff like that. So I think that's what you're talking about, more like a a story on rails. You said, kind yeah. Of. And I and I like that idea because it does give the players a lot of more player agency as to what they want to do when they want to do it and what order they want to do it now I guess the problem with with player agency could be like they decide well you know we don't care about what's, what's going on we could care less uh, let's go back
0: uh, there, there's there's fixes for that too and I, fixes and when I say fixes I mean there's there's solutions to that issue of if your players really don't want to go anywhere. And do right. anything, it's the time one, right? You've talked about it before, so so your players are in a city and and they have get, been given eighteen clues that they need to go south, and they decide, I don't want to go south. That looks a little dangerous. <coughs> <coughs> I'll go north. Yeah. So you go okay, you go north, and you let them do whatever they want to do. Right. But there's a, in in three days, there's an explosion that kills. 80,000 people in a city oh, wow. because yeah. because they didn't and it's not because the players didn't go south it's just that that was the timeline right so maybe if they would have gone south they could have prevented this right what, I don't know what you call that
1: consequences to their actions
0: that's what you call it i i need you, t- you called it something
1: and i think i think that's a good way of doing it i don't know if i've been lucky right most of my players are very what is it? Uh, agreeable. I, I don't know how else to call it.
0: Well, I think that our friend Mike has said it before, right? You you are on these, you give the players the plot hook, right? You're sitting there with these guys who have been playing D&D or whatever game you're playing. They've been role playing for, what, 35, 40 years? Yeah. Depending on how old they are. And they've been doing it a lot, so... You have to. There's that moment where you choose. Okay, this is the adventure that he wants to take us on. I'm going to suspend my doubts, my disbelief, my everything, and I'm just going to buy into it because if I don't buy into it, then we're not going to get started. Right. right.
1: There's no adventure.
0: There's no adventure.
1: Right. And then I think along along those all the all that we're talking about so far, there's this idea of the open world, right? Yes. And a uh, west marches campaign. And I follow Jolene down this Reddit rabbit hole. And there's all kinds of opinions on that stuff and, and uh one was interesting more than stuck out the than the others was that most people say they want an open world but at the same time it is very difficult to for the GM to have an open world because they have to Because if you when you make an adventure you kinda and you kinda have this like Sort of an idea of which way the characters are going to go, and so you can kind of plan ahead for that kind of adventure that's going to go. You know, you, they're going to go through a forest. They might have a forest encounter if they go that direction. Most likely, they will go through the forest or whatever, and stuff like that. And then, but when it's open box, there's they can go any direction. There's no plot other than the, what the players want to do, and so the the GM, the referee, the storyteller, whatever you want to call them has to have an idea of what's everywhere in the world. at least, and, I, and I'm like, I think that goes against what... what. Uh,
0: it, it makes it hard to have a, a specific uh, adventure planned, right? Right. So you're not planning an adventure. You're just planning encounters for whichever way they go.
1: Or places of interest or whatever. Or, yeah. Yeah, and so because they can go anywhere they want and do anything they want, the GM supposedly, according to this person, had to prepare for the whole world and had to tons to prepare well but i think that goes again goes against the whole idea of a open world where the gm kind of comes up with stuff on the spot and it's kind of like randomly generated the the encounters and even the terrain and stuff like that because
0: what is the game that you guys are currently playing where you showed me the book where you decide if you're gonna go if whichever way you go, you roll to see what kind of terrain you're coming across. That was low fantasy gaming. And then you roll to see what kind of encounter you're gonna have.
1: Well we were we were trying that out. We were trying to see how that worked. And because how did it work? I think I, I honestly I didn't do that. I didn't randomly determine stuff. I go, I, I need I need large grasslands for what the the world or the encounter or my
0: my portion of it My is. My portion
1: of this world. Well, what we did is we have this central world or the central area, and then everybody has like a quarter from that central area going outwards. We kind of limited ourselves to the area that we were using, and we had a shared idea of, of uh, this, this kingdom in the middle that was saved from this, this calamity that happened across the world. They're, they're just coming out of this uh, self-imposed or imposed uh, you know they were you know they were like blocked from going out anywhere else and then uh, this mist f- goes away and then we start exploring the world around us and each of us GMs it was four of us luckily has a quarter of this jutting out from this central area now I, I know Mike was really into generating stuff randomly as he went. I don't know if Felipe did the same thing. He might have. I didn't do that. And I'm not sure Jim did that. Uh, but, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was, it, it, it really, I think, would really make you, the GM, have to be on your toes and just like roll with the punches. And so that's what they were, that's what Mike and Felipe were really trying to experience whether that would be a workable, viable way of running the game, of everything random.
0: You guys do some weird stuff.
1: Well, we, we were trying out that Wes March's idea, right? That- I
0: know. I know. I'm just saying that you, you get the idea in your head and then you, you have the platform and the willing participants to go ahead and, and try it. Right? right. Yeah. Where it depends on the kind of, of players you play with. Some players down the, the Reddit rabbit hole, as Saul calls it, this one guy said, my players won't do that. They like they specifically look at me and they look at all the, the, the clues that are given out and they want to choose the one that they think I want them to go with. They won't oh. do anything randomly, right? They, they're looking to me to see if that's the way I want them to go. And then he goes, one of the players who kind of leads the group, he decides which way I want them to go and because he, fi- he figures that's what I would do, right? Right. So they've obviously been playing together for a while, right? And but he says they don't really like try to explore different avenues. They just want to try to go where they think I'm trying to funnel them to.
1: Well, I mean that's them being really nice, right? They don't want to go somewhere that's gonna where the GM hasn't planned on going. And I think that's that's players being trained to play that way because right. that's the way most most games go right there's here's the adventure if we don't go that direction or we don't take that quest we don't play right we don't we go home and pick up our cheese or something but but when when they're what is it when they're that is their method of play that's how they've always played when you present them with all these ideas oh you can go on with Anywhere you want, they're like, mm, <laughs> what, what does he mean? <laughs> where, where do you want us to go? Where do you really want us to go? And then they're like, you can go anywhere you want. No. And then like, yeah, I can see that them thinking about it, going, well, it's a trick somewhere, and there's obviously a place he wants us to go, you know. And I, and I understand that as a player who who has played that way for a long time, i um, I'm gonna try to make it easy for the GM to.
0: Start the adventure. Start the out. adventure
1: and play the game that he has planned, or she has planned, they have planned, and I think that that's just the way we've been conditioned to play games. I think younger people or people who have never played RPGs and played newer games may they may not have that kind of a uh, condition to play that way. But I think you know people can change. People can we can use other ways. We can play other ways, like you said, play that. West marches game where people go. Well, you can go anywhere you want, and this is the way. This is the way it's supposed to go. You know, we randomly generate any terrain. We randomly generate places and then encounters too.
0: I think that's okay if you're if you're comfortable with it. Right. So I think it's okay if you're comfortable with it. What I'm thinking about is I. I'm not I'm not a big fan of tables if you've listened to this podcast you know that they've caused problems for my parties before when I've been one asked dead. to use one, them. one dead horse one dead horse and, and it just ruined me forever but if you're doing this random table encounter thing right i'm hoping that in the book or whatever you're using that when you roll the random encounter that if you come up with an abominable snowman That you have the stats there somewhere for, so that GM doesn't have to stop everything to go look look for it in a different book or something, right?
1: Right. I think you're supposed to just like immediately know what I'm supposed to know what 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 how many. Well, in low fantasy gaming, it's just there's not that many stats, right? There's not that much stuff to. They don't have a lot of superpowers, or so you
0: just make make it up as you go.
1: So I think that's what happens is you do make it up as you go along, or. You do, like, the one guy I read, he says he randomly generates the encounters ahead of time. Now, oh, see, so then, I could
0: go with that. I could do that. But then...
1: Because Felipe did do that. he I guess there was an encounter we had, which I didn't know it was totally random, is that we ran against a uh, a land shark, a bullet. And uh, I didn't know he hadn't planned it. He got the... We're playing online, so we can't see him if he... If he uh, opens a book to see what the stats are and stuff, it, it went off pretty well. And he goes, "Yeah, that was a totally random." Uh,
0: well, if you're online, you could look up what what the stats are, right?
1: Yeah, pretty close, pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I think that does help, and and uh, and that might be a topic for for another part, another episode is uh, electronic aids at the table, but how that might make it seem like if you have a pdf of something that's that's searchable you type in bullet or land shark and it pops it up and i go oh that's my random encounter i'll look it up and you can play off that way and the players will never know or it'll be hard for them to realize that you're this is a random encounter that they you hadn't planned for
0: unlike unlike jolene who at the last minute prints out all the the possible monsters and hands them to someone on the table say you're running the you're running this bad guy today and uh which by the way the boys like because then they one they get to play both ways right but they whoever's running it or whoever's looking at the stats and helping me with that one is not allowed to use their their powers to to take it out right their knowledge and they're not allowed to tell the other people and they know that (laughs) instinctively right
1: yeah, I saw you doing that, I, and I was a little surprised, but I, I think it worked pretty well. I think I was surprised that, well, it was Ian. If it, I mean that he yeah. was able to keep the, yeah, no, he was mean, bursting at the seams, trying to, he
0: was, but it was it was very exciting for him to yeah. ha- hold the power, right? Right. Of, of knowing what and and rolling for the for the bad guy, but that was a. A technique that I had because there were a lot of, of monsters and I wasn't right. sure which way they were going to go. So yeah. I just printed them all out and said, okay, because you can always use them, right? Right. And by printing, I mean, I took the book and stuck it onto the, onto the copy machine and copied it so that I, instead of having to have the, the book tabbed and flip through it, I could just go, okay, here's yeah, because you, you need the stats, yeah, right? I gotcha, to I gotcha. to run, a, yeah. run a bad guy. That's an interesting thing if you're doing it randomly.
1: Yeah. But
0: that's kind of hard sometimes to random do random encounters yes. that way.
1: and I think that's why I didn't do it. I, what I did is I took this a adventure that they basically sell for a dollar, and I took the pictures of it, and I'm like, oh, this this looks pretty cool. Some of the ideas in it, I go, ah, I don't want that. Some of ideas I didn't use. Some things I did, and then basically I just... I just needed something to to spur my imagination, and and that little, it's like a seven page, maybe fifteen page adventure, whatever it is. It's really short, and you basically you know, you are able to if you want to play straight for the way it is, you could. There's no no problem with that. But uh, it didn't quite fit what what I wanted it, my the adventure to be like, so I changed it quite a bit, and I thought I thought it went pretty well. I I am not. Even though I espouse uh, spontaneity, or uh, what do you call that?
0: Randomness, improv.
1: Improv, right? Even though I espouse improvisation, it's very hard to improv <clears throat> improv a lot of encounters and stuff like that, especially in a in a more traditional role playing game. And so, I needed that little adventure thing to. Bounce ideas off it, change it and stuff, and have encounters. And then at the same time, it itself, because it uses that same system, Low system. low fancy Gaming, it had all the same thing. It had little charts for random encounters. It had all this stuff. So I thought it was pretty neatly done, and I liked it, and I used those charts just to see what things the players came across or what they heard or what they saw. And it was very it was very well it was very easy to use that adventure
0: i think that the the difference between railroading and this story on rails that we're kind of talking about here which is kind of what a module is right right i think the difference is that when a tr- a gm is truly railroading his players is that there's only one option for them no matter what they want to do if they don't hit a certain mark if they don't talk to a certain person if they don't go a certain way, nothing is going to happen until they do that. Yeah, yeah. And that is what the railroading, where the railroading comes in, right? You have to go along this path or you're just going to be stuck there until the you figure stops. out what the GM wants right. you to do, which I've been in those games and it's very frustrating for the players because sometimes you don't know what the GM wants you to do and sometimes you think, they want us to do this, and why? But I don't want to do that, right? Right. So that's where the railroad part comes in—that
1: you don't have a choice. I think you're totally right. I think what they're trying to—everybody's dance around these definitions—and and what a lot of people say is that as long as you're having fun, it doesn't matter. And I agree, but I think a lot of people who play games want a lot, a little, a little bit more player agency than. a a strict railroad, right? They want to be able to think like their character can do whatever they want, which indeed they should be able to do anything they want It may push them out of the adventure it may, it may get them killed or whatever, but at least they have that option where the idea of a railroad down now, a real railroad is where, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this in a line in a certain sequence for the adventure to continue. And for you to get to the end of the adventure. I don't think I think those are pretty much gone. I mean, the only thing I can think of that's anything like that is a dungeon adventure, right?
0: And there's nothing wrong with a dungeon right. adventure. That's a viable adventure to take your players on. And some players love dungeon adventures, right? You know, okay, right. Here's the entrance to the dungeon. You need to kill the bad guy on the seventeenth level, and they're off. And they know what they're getting into, right? And they're enjoying every encounter that they have because that is. The whole adventure, right, going right. down in that dungeon and getting that guy.
1: Well, you ran, you ran as a part of the mega dungeon.
0: I hated the dun- and you
1: hated. It, and I think everybody was having fun. I know they were having a blast. It was
0: very stressful for me.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I could, I could honestly say that I was, I was very intrigued about the whole mega dungeon thing. It was the mad mage. Thing, yeah, right?
0: it was cool because there were all kinds of encounters. Yeah, and it was that that were that were there. Every room or every three rooms had whatever in it, right? Right. And you got all the you had all the stats for those for those things. That was very, very interesting. I was very one, I don't like enclosed spaces and two, it was really hard for me to to just go, Okay, if you go this way, this is what you're gonna encounter in my brain, right? And then you have to have Luckily I was playing on Roll20 and I had bought the the adventure on Roll20 so right. I had all the tokens and all the all the stats available to me no matter where the per- where where you guys went which was really nice in a way that for me cuz when it comes to getting monsters that our party can kill it's a lot harder when they're like you know 10th 11th level and they're so you need some really strong monsters so that was kind of cool
1: I, I really liked it because it played because you have had the maps that you bought. Because when you buy the, when you buy the adventures, a lot of times they're, uh, what do you call that? The light. Token. Dynamic lighting. Dynamic lighting. It has dynamic lighting. So it, it tells you, you tell it uh, what kind of light source you have. And it'll, it'll put the light out for 30 feet, 40 feet, depending on what kind of light. And that's all you see. So when you're going around the corner, there's, there's all kinds of shadows. If you go to a room that has all kinds of columns, there's shadows beyond the columns, behind the columns. So I really liked that idea when we were in that dungeon and, and my character could only see what it could see on the screen because that's what you see.
0: And there were some issues with that too because you had to be next to somebody sometimes. Yeah,
1: there was there was a technical. Everybody else was fine. Everybody else was fine. But I couldn't have my own light source. The only time my light source would kick on is if I was next to somebody who had a light source.
0: And it wasn't that we weren't trying to adjust it and yeah. do all kinds of things to give your, your character <coughs> the ability to see was, 30 feet. <laughs>
1: That was a little bit frustrating, but I mean, it was not a big deal. But I really did like the idea of that dynamic lighting, and it did give you that claustrophobic feeling. And And the the boys
0: really, really, that like it made it more of an adventure for them because they were like, this is what you mean by low light, high, what you know, what you can see, what a person can see, what an elf can see. The difference, right, between who has low light vision and what it actually means.
1: Right, right. Yes. So it was interesting. It was very interesting. I really liked it it was a railroad it was a dungeon uh, i hadn't really ever played in a dungeon in years and years and years
0: i didn't really make it railroady though i just i just let you guys go wherever you were gonna go and well and yeah run into stuff right right and i created my own they had this this they had go a ghost a ghost in there and, and i took the ghost and i used him for my own purposes i didn't use him necessarily the way that he was uh. written
1: well, that's pretty cool. I didn't know what what if you made any changes or other. I, knew, I just knew that. I knew we were in a dungeon, so I knew it was like a, a railroady and stuff like that. And it didn't bother me. I go, well, it's been a long time. And I really liked it. I think everybody else had fun. I know you were really not having a good time running it, which I thought was very strange. But I, I think that is about the only railroad kind of game that I usually have ever played in. Usually, like you said, there's this story on rails where there's a beginning and end, and how the players get there is up to them. You just tried playing this sandbox idea where you can go anywhere you want, and things are randomly generated, and then the GM has to account for what those, what that adventure, what that means to an adventure, or how, the, what is going on in the world. That's interesting.
0: One of the things that I was reading about this is that I guess. And non-player characters are are a big deal. I, some people say that they want whatever non-player ca- character the GM is putting in front of you. You're supposed to do what that non-player character says, or they're giving you the plot hook, or they're if you don't. Ta- and some people go, well, if you don't talk to the right non-player character, then you're not going to know what you're supposed to do. And I thought that was interesting because that they were the GM was using this these non-player characters as the voice to tell people what to do which kind of happens when you're in a tavern right but for us it's a different thing right because you could talk to a whole bunch of different people or right. overhear rumors and not they don't always go together with the plot of or the
1: right that may not have anything to do with the v- adventure yeah right i think i think that comes from people who play computer games and they have to go to everybody in the town to see who anybody who has a little bubble above them and can talk and then you, they talk and sometimes they talk to British and sometimes they say, well, did you know on the other side of, this, outside of the, the town in the hills, this certain hill? And then they're like, oh, okay, there's a quest. Da-da-da. I think that's where that kind of idea comes from. People who play computer role-playing games before they play a tabletop game, I think that's... that's oh, they're
0: how, expecting someone to get... I, right. I know Augustine and Alan, when they play on the Dungeons & Dragons online, oh, yeah. they're like going... I always go, oh, you got to talk to that guy to get the quest, because yeah. you have to talk to the person before you can go on yeah, the
1: quest. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, so if that's how you got introduced to, let's say you play those games first before you play a tabletop role-playing game, then you, you are expected to talk to people in town and try to figure out what the adventure is, which is kind of right in a way, but the idea that every non-player character is going to give you information is kind of false. That kind of idea. And sometimes the GM will totally roll, have a role-playing s- session, or not a session, but a conversation that has nothing to do with the adventure because that person has no idea <laughs> about Because
0: someone asks someone a question.
1: <laughs> right. So I like the idea of storytelling, changing that word storytelling to shared storytelling. That gives you the idea that everybody has input into the game and into the direction that the game is going. Railroad is kind of like nobody wants to play in a railroad uh, they don't, people usually don't mind rail, uh, story on rails. So I think all the, if you combine all these things together, you can have a very, a world or a, a game where the player has a lot of agency. So, because if you're in a shared storytelling game and it's a story on rails, then you have input on how what the story, how the story plays out and which direction the story's going to go.
0: I think then before you start the game, session zero, and I'm using air quotes because oh, yeah. you don't have to the do this.
1: session zero, Julian hates.
0: You don't have to actually do the session zero. You can just tell, you can ask questions and stuff before you start. But as long as everybody's on the same page about what is it, what is, what they want to do. Right. How you could tell people, tell me what it is you want in the adventure or what it is you want your character, give, give them. A chance to come up with things they would like their character to do before you start the adventure. And then the GM can come up with some different kind of ideas for if you, John wants to encounter blah, blah, here we go. Right. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, a session zero is always a good idea for all kinds of, all kinds of reasons, right? Whether it's uh, discussing the kind of elements of the game that you don't want to cover to stuff that you do want to delve into. You know, do you want to have a, uh, an a high adventure game or do you want a, a more of a mysterious a mystery game which is very difficult to very different from not difficult very different from an adventurous game right where you're swashbuckling and doing all kinds of exciting things like that i think yeah session zero definitely helps you and your players the gm and the players really be on the same page like you said set the expectations yeah set the expectations and and not and therefore you you're less likely to disappoint players and players are not likely to say, what the hell is going on with this guy? This is not the game I thought it was going to be. So session zero definitely helps that in that situation. I think ultimately the, the conversations that I saw on Facebook, it went off the rails literally. And then, uh, but I like the idea that people can talk about, about uh, different ideas about how games should play. But at the very least, like you said, we have to understand what terms we're using. We have to agree to those terms and what they mean. I hate to sound like a lawyer, but that's definitely... uh, Everybody has to agree what the terms mean before we start talking about those terms.
0: That's why when people always say to me, I was in a game, I didn't like the railroading part of it. I always have to ask them, what exactly do you mean? (laughs) Right, what was 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 the railroad part of it? Definitely. Because I'd like to know what that was. So I never do that to people. But also... What is it that they they think was was railroading? Because right. a lot of times, especially if you're doing a module or something, there's certain things that that you have to kind of put in there to if you want them to
1: know that, right? Right. What the adventure is? Yeah. Well, everybody has their like I say everybody has different ideas of what those terms mean, and so there was a lot of that going on in that conversation. People would come up and say, "Well, a storyteller is blah blah blah," and then and then uh, Jeff D would say, "Well." To me, storyteller is a single person telling a story, and that to me is not a good role-playing style. And so people came up with shared storytelling. They go, okay, well, that makes more sense. And I forget what term that he would like to use, but it did. that doesn't matter. What matters is that people... I th- I thought it was interesting that he had this, def- this point of view about the storyteller, and storytelling, it seems like a... You know, everybody says that they use that term to mean more open and more uh, less railroady and yet to him it was a very railroady type of idea idea
0: well and and i can totally see that that perspective because if the gm has already written out how the adventure's gonna go right from beginning to middle to end and all of a sudden his players don't do what he wants or she wants then w- the GM's going I don't they're not seeing it the way that, that I envision it right and he's right. not saying that it is going why are these people not getting what I'm trying to get them to do right. they're not following my adventure line
1: oh they're not following the obvious clues right. I mean I think
0: and that's that's where GM's get yes. get get stuck sometimes yes. is I wanted them to go down this alley and, <coughs> and have this encounter right right and I, I put so much time and effort into this encounter and they're not even getting close to it. I don't understand why they're not seeing what I want them to do. Right,
1: right. And that, that could be that could spill out a lot of problems for the GM.
0: So I just have one word of advice for that GM: just move your freaking encounter, dude.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Breathe and let the people go where they want, and and just have your having create encounters, but don't make it specific to a certain thing. Of course, if it's a bunch of forest elves with arrows and trees then you know you're being a little specific so you better have a bunch of forests around this city
1: yeah central park yeah
0: (laughs) so it's a very interesting topic I'm glad Saul brought it up I don't know what you think railroading is but hopefully this will give you some ideas so that you know some other people's perspectives on it right
1: and different ideas of how how people define things is important, and and realize that sometimes when people say, "Oh, that's a railroad," and it really isn't, it just means that that there is an adventure with a beginning and an end, and the uh, and the players have to figure out how to get there. Some of the
0: GMs that we play with, they run modules, right? Right. And if you know they're running a module, then you go, "Oh, well, I can." See. You have to kind of buy into it, right? I'm going there because this is something that's important in this adventure and the gm is is has given us 16 clues so maybe we should go that way so we can see what we need to do right right but that comes with just just suspending your okay this is this is what's going to happen i can see that we need to do this so let's just do it right instead of going the other way that
1: right instead of trying to go against what the gm is trying to I hate to use push on you, but yeah, I think if you want the adventure to keep moving forward, you know that there's a big light pointing in this direction. You should go that direction. Otherwise, it's just going to be frustration, right? Right. And then, and then maybe after the adventure, saying you know, we'll, you could discuss, well, I didn't really like the idea of you pushing us a certain direction. I, I like to have more ability to do what my character wants. And then, let, and then you could have a discussion about that, how that is achieved.
0: That's when you have to put your big boy pants on. And-
1: yeah, it's tough sometimes to talk about that. But I think, uh, I think it doesn't have to be so confrontational. You could just say, you know what, I, I, I really like the idea of this part of the adventure. But this part, I felt like, you just, like I was forced to do something that maybe my character wouldn't normally do. And you can frame it that way. Or you
0: could say, I just wanted to ask, was this encounter that we had part of the module that we had to get to to right. do something? Because it seemed like you were pushing us that way. Right,
1: right. And I think a lot of people don't like that. They don't want that, uh, well, that kind of... Well, people
0: don't like to... Game. People never like to confront. And that's basically the word that you have to use, right? I have a question for you and I was uncomfortable or I didn't <laughs> like the way you did this. And, and then you're going, this guy's going to get mad at me. I don't want to do that.
1: Well, I think, I think as a GM, and this is a tool that it doesn't matter about what subject we're talking about, is that you can open up at the end of the game at the end of the adventure say oh how did it go and a lot of people say oh it went well blah 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 and, and they'll act you know they'll just be really nice and say oh it was a good game thank you for running the game but i think if you ask real questions right and it could come this should probably be a different subject because it's like what did you like and what didn't you like Put it, you know, write it down and it depends on who you're giving these questions to
0: because if you don't want to know don't ask them okay <coughs> i'm just saying i'm just saying
1: well, I think this is the whole point is to get better at GMing. Yes. Right. And so you have to take criticism as best as you can. And and I've always wanted to do this at conventions. I've always, I've always thought about, oh, I want to hear about what they liked and what, did, or what they didn't like. And I've asked people, like, oh, what did you guys think? Of it? And I get that, you know, oh, it was good, good. I had a lot of fun, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't, you know, I'm like, hmm, okay.
0: That doesn't mean anything Right. To me.
1: So I'm thinking, well, maybe, look, you know, just – uh have a little questionnaire to hand out. Have a little questionnaire and, and hand it out. and then, But, I've, you know, because I'm always in a rush at the, to get to the convention, I always forget that tidbit of...
0: Well, not only that, after you've been playing for six hours, some people might be a little tired. Right. and
1: Or I would thought about giving them, like, my, uh, my card and say, you know, email me with these specific questions if you want, blah, blah, blah.
0: Go online and take my survey. There you go. I want to know how I did.
1: Take my Google sheet.
0: I don't know. I don't know what else you can say. Is there anything else you need to add to this? No, I'm good. So there's some ideas for railroading versus stories on rails versus shared storytelling. Good luck. (laughs) There you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene.